Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Customer centricity focuses on understanding and meeting customers' needs to provide high quality products and services, while human centricity broadens the lens to consider all human interactions, including employees, partners, and our society. According to research by Deloitte, customer-centric companies were 60% more profitable compared to companies not focused on the customer. Regarding human centricity, a Gallup study found that companies with highly engaged workforces outperformed their peers by 147%. But is there more to these two perspectives than business? Today, I am joined by Gary Garth, founder and CEO at Elevate.io, and Michael McGrush, a creative awareness educator to discuss the benefits and challenges of a human-centric world. To support the show, visit chrishood.com show, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, follow us on social media, or you can email me directly, show at chrishood.com. I'm Chris Hood, and let's get connected. Connecting. Access granted. The Chris Hood Digital Show, where global business and technology leaders meet to discuss strategy, innovation, and digital acceleration. Five, four, three, two, one. Your digital evolution starts now. Here's your host, Chris Hood. So great to have both of you joining us today. Gary, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I am a serial entrepreneur. I've started and exited six companies. I'm also a part-time angel investor, I would say, nowadays. And I am an author of uh, the Serial 100 Million Sales Blueprint, just was published back in January, and the Goals, Grid, and Greatness Planner. Reside in Medellin, Colombia. I've been living here for two years. It's intended to be the Silicon Valley of Latin America, so that's why I decided to move here. But I'm originally from Denmark in Europe, but spent the last 10, 15 years uh, in stateside and in Latin America. Awesome. And Michael? I'm everything contrary to Gary. I am uh, I have absolutely no education. I'm extremely neurodiverse. I have written also, uh, I've written seven books, but five are published. Uh, I can't read my own books. I have to listen to them. I am not system relevant. And when I was system relevant, because I worked with Robert Evans, who did The Godfather, I co-produced with him. I was CDR commissioner. Uh, I, I suffered totally. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, because I had to be system relevant. Yeah, I, I do everything human centric, because that's the way I could. That's the only way I could. I, I couldn't do uh, system centric. I had to repeat uh, grades in school. And I have... Let's just stay interested about it. Uh, yeah, and through that, and I'm, art saved my life, always art creation. It always saved my life. And that also gave me all the education I needed, all the wisdom I have, all the human centricity I have. Great. Well, welcome, both of you. Let's get right into that. We mentioned human centricity. That's going to be the topic of today's conversation. But I think what's interesting is you both probably have a completely different perspective of what this really is. So I'm curious to hear each of your perspectives, whether that's human centricity or customer centricity from an art world or from a business world. Let's start, Gary. Tell us a little bit more from your perspective. What is customer centricity? 
For me, it's uh, one of my core principles. It's one of the values of the, the company that I recently deployed, Elevate.io. Um, I think it all comes putting customers first. Um, and what does that mean in detail? Uh, that can be a very vague concept that people say, yeah, we're, we're customer-centric. Uh, for me, it means uh, understanding, starts with understanding your customers at its core. So, you know, so you, you understand... If you're in B2B, it's all the firmographics, demographics, even psychographics, right? You know, what, what, what keeps them up at night? What challenges them? How can you help them overcome those uh, problems? And how can you help them with solutions? And then furthermore, it, it's, it's at, you know, once, you know, prospects become customers, it's from an account management standpoint, account executive, it's, you know, how do you establish processes and solutions uh, backed up with, you know, even automation that makes sure that, you know, service is always excellent, uh, that there's, you know, uh, every, all challenges always addressed, uh, expectations are, are managed properly right out the gate, uh, goals are always defined, uh, and there's a, a clear pathway, a clear roadmap to, like, how does this relationship work? That, for me, is customer centricity uh, at its core, uh, and when done right, as I put in my book, um, you know, there's a, a series of different tools, right? Whether it's Net Promoter Score or Customer Satisfaction Service or uh, whatever tool you deploy to, to measure satisfaction level, if done properly, if done effectively, and you also have the right processes, then that can tremendously fuel the, the, expansion uh, of of, uh, of growth per account uh, or average revenue per account or same store growth. There's a lot of terminology around that. Uh, but I, I've seen firsthand, I worked very closely with Google's channel sales teams, Microsoft's channel sales teams, uh, deployed channel sales programs for, for uh, with over 200 resellers. So I know, I've seen firsthand when customer centricity is is really embodied and deployed and at the level so processes is is deployed throughout the organization and it's you know it really incorporated in the values as I mean it's not something that actually people care about then the revenue impact can be astonishing so that for me long story short is customer centricity 100% I agree with uh, Gary uh, on in the systemic way that's what we are limitless human that we we can talk to each other I work in hospitality my whole life because to to afford to be an artist. And um, I, I just wrote an article about mistakes. I don't see mistakes. I don't see mistakes. It's about how you humanly handle mistakes. Not from a systemic way, but to, for example, a little system like a, a restaurant. You handle it not by uh, having strict rules and regulations, because, I, because we have 8 billion people that are all different. So there is no normal. There's no normal human being. Every experience is different. And we have all the superpower in us to gauge, I said to you before, uh, the, the, the gauging of six senses that we, we have all the, um, to deal with other people. I did over 200 interviews all over the world. Boom, I come in, talk and leave. I don't know you. And we talk about deepest things. I don't need to have steps. The people say, well, how many steps you have? I said, I have no steps. I have awareness. You are aware. You listen to this podcast three times. You got to be aware. You have all the tools you need. 
I trust that you can add to those seeds that we're seeding here. That's my philosophy. You know, what's really interesting in there is you talk about a couple of things. One, that we all make mistakes. I think from a business perspective, we're constantly learning and we have to learn about our customers and be able to improve upon that to meet their individual needs. You also talked about how in some cases, people are more aware of what those needs are. And Gary, I'm sure you've seen this as you start talking with different types of customers. Some get it really quickly, others don't. Some sales have one process, others have a completely different process. And you have to navigate that human experience to be able to develop these winning customer service capabilities you're talking about. When you're talking custom centricity, for me, that's very business related. Uh, I just seen firsthand uh, human centric is, is definitely uh, important. Like I, you're preaching to the choir, right? I mean, that's why I uh, created the Goals, Grit and Greatness Planner. I created this product for entrepreneurs and high achievers because just like the expression, like, you know, Achievement without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Uh, I'm the, it's not my quote, unfortunately, it's Tony Robbins. But for me, I saw firsthand, I work with a lot of top executives, very successful people, entrepreneurs, seven, eight, nine-figure companies, essentially experience burnout, you know, then they're not fulfilled. But I've also scaled service operations. And uh, I worked in sales and marketing and customer service, for that matter, the last 25 years. And so... You know, sometimes, you know, what really moves the needle is that intuitiveness, as, 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 as you referred to, as understanding your, your, your customer. And, well, I, I devote a whole chapter in my book to that, like, uh, according like the six principles of persuasion, you know, understanding we're all driven by our emotions, right? What do you want to attain? The, the, the fear, the avoiding pain, uh, attaining pleasure, right? That's driving all the decisions, essentially. So as a sales representative, as a customer service agent, the better you can tap into that, the more you can influence the decision-making process. And yes, sometimes prospects doesn't necessarily know what they need, but I would say that's what's part of the company being a, what I consider myself a solutions architect is uncovering what is actually the needed elements in order to for them to attain their goals. Like that's why in the plan office, we have a whole goal section. It's to tie that up with your underlying why, your purpose, what is, what's your long-term goals. Whether that's a company and individual, it's more or less the same. The thought process is the same. And that's where it becomes very human-centric. But when you want to scale something up, it's kind of hard to create a human-centric uh, process map for how to handle hundreds, thousands of customer inquiries right? Uh, that's where you need systems in place, is my point. You can't lean into the uncomfortableness that you have to be intuitive all the time versus it's not an absolute rules for 8 billion people where everybody has different fingerprints, irises, and DNA. Rules are guidelines. They can never be absolutes. And so, we, we, but we are so systemic that we, when you give me five steps, I'm going to try to follow those steps even though my feeling says something completely different, you know, and their steps might be the best steps and in the general, the right things, but they're not absolutes. And we see because systems see uh, rules as absolutes. And, and so we become, we are very adaptive. We are nature, we adapt to each other and we adapt to systems. And I think we have, we have lost ourselves, which you see that all these systems are crumbling right now. 
because we adapt to our habitat and our habitats are not systems. Even though we are born in a hospital, we are baptized, we are schooled, these are all systems. We get married, it's all a system. But we have lost ourselves uh, because we are limitless and then we, we, we limit ourselves with taking a muffler and living our lives through and try to fulfill, you know, getting, you know, the system says it should be sunny every day. If it's not sunny, we sell you a Ferrari, a pill or a face job. You get all that. You're great. The Ferrari feels great for a month or so, but then it becomes a, a banged up Fiat or something. You know, it's just, it, it's not the feeling, the emotional feeling and you are in the emotions too. It's a very short lived in systems, the fulfillment factor, where I live a life that is continuously fulfilled and don't have the system because I don't want to get lost in it either. I think what's interesting is that as we grow in technology and as more of these products and services are maintaining our lives, we are becoming more reliant on the technology itself or the satisfactions that we're getting from those systems you're talking about, as opposed to being fully aware of our own personal humanity and awareness. I mean, we see that in being introduced with AI. We're removing the humanity from the operational and daily methods that we go through. But how do we bring this back down into the human characteristics that Michael is talking about? You're preaching to the choir, guys. I'm, I'm all about it. that. Again, that's why I launched the Goals, Grid, and Greatness Planner. Like, when I say systems and, and steps and so forth, I, I, I think we all can agree on the significance of, of habits, small habits, habit building, etc. So that for me is like a mini system. My morning routine, my evening routine. That's why I put a whole section to it in, in, in the plan. All high achievers have, whether it's the 5 a.m. club methodology or whatever they do as the first step, if you have a set of behaviors that you follow systematically in the morning, you will just prime yourself for a better day. That's just that's just proven. That's fact, factual. So from my end, as I put as one of the first exercises, uh, I, I say, okay, list three things I put in my planner every morning. That's my very first thing. I get my coffee, <laughs> for a glass of water first. Uh, then I sit down. And then I said, write three things that I'm grateful for, right? I could open up today's planner and I could say, okay, uh, here's what I put today. And I would say, okay, I am grateful that I have uh, Belinda, my daughter here living with me today. My second is my good health, talents, and the opportunities I'm blessed with and the credible life I'm blessed with here and, and, and the opportunities I'm facing. Then the second thing, question I asked, what would make today great? Not... I kill this, this, this meeting or I crush that or I land that proposal like XYC revenue, but it's more like, okay, make sure that I, I leave office at five, six, that burnout, go to the gym. I have an ice cream with my daughter at the end of the day, uh, that I call my, whatever it makes, small little things that at the end will mean more, right? So I, I'm all about that. I just think it's, it's a blend of different, different exercises and putting some systems behind it is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's all about understanding your fulfillment. Like I, I've, I'm a big fan of coaching, for instance. I've, I've had coaching the last 15 years. I was a platinum member coach with, with uh, Tony Robbins, 85,000 program. I flew to every single event. I am a sucker for personal development. I read every single book that exists. And it's like, like he puts it better than with me. It's like these, you know, six drivers human of human nature, right? It's certainty, uncertainty, significance, love and connection, but what really drives you 
is giving and growing as an individual. That's the that's the spiritual element. So for me, it's, for me, everything I do is centered around that, and that's what drives my motivation. It's like, okay, how can I make an impact? Uh, do I feel like I'm growing? Am I motivated every day to get up and get out of bed and make an impact? And do I get reward by helping other people at the same time helping myself? That to me is is what drives it. So I completely see here where you're coming from in terms of the fulfillment element and so, so forth. I just believe that creating systems, having a framework, leveraging certain tools, standing on the shoulders of giants, of other people who have already proven what works and works better, uh, well, and, and you know, putting, making a, a habit of, like you said you like to read, uh, listen to books. I, I'm a sucker myself. I, I try to read a book once a week, every two weeks. I read a lot of biographies. So that's the best way to understand. So creating system to doing all those different small micro habits really can excel not only your performance, but also your fulfillment. I, this is not about right around. We are all at the same, I think we all three are on the same level uh, about the human potential, right? We, we, we're focusing on the human potential, not the system. Even though we use the system, like Gary, you use the system perfectly to get to, the, to your own human potential, right? But it is still a system uh, potential. It's not the human potential. It's, the, it's in, to, to be... And system is limited. We, we agree. Systems are limited. In the systems to become, you know, I I I consider Elon Musk or or Jeff Bezos or even you and you know as system navigators. It's like a chess player, but I don't want to be a master chess player in the system. I can go and say I feel gratitude, but if you know, gratitude is somebody else. Gratitude, when I feel gratitude, I feel gratitude to myself that I created that. I'm not feeling, oh, I'm grateful that I can talk to you. Yes, that is the feeling in the moment that I can talk to you both. You guys are my reflection. I'm your reflection. We, we are part of each other. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be together. We think we are in control of everything. We are not. And I'm coming from the self-motivation. Do know yourself that you are one of eight billion, a unique of it. If that doesn't make you feel good about yourself, you're one unique person of 8 billion people. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. But I think some of these systems that you're referring to could also be interpreted as tools. So let's just narrow down. The three of us are together talking, having a very interesting and stimulating conversation. There is a couple of different ways that we could look at this. We could have all gotten together in person and had a cup of coffee and had this same conversation. But because of our diverse perspectives and locations, we probably would have never have met because of, of 8 billion people around us, but the tool has allowed us to come together to have a conversation. And the listeners are potentially growing and they have had the opportunity to hear this unique perspective and conversation because of the systems and tools that are available to them. So on some level, we have to accept that these tools and these systems that are in place are allowing us to explore humanity in a way that we would never have been able to if we didn't have the same tools, right? 100%, 100%. I always say, if you use AI as a tool and not as... Uh, you know, writing new resumes for you then, uh, or new emails because we don't have the time to, to see the emails now. What do you think would happen with AI when they make it so that you cannot even determine 
humanly, if they come from a real person, because they take all the triggers of a real person and put that in. We have more and more and more and more bigger, better. And the, the, the money that the people can make or the, the profit is getting in generally always less. So, so in, I know when I grew up, people made 30 grand, 40 grand, a million. I hear it all the time, friends, relatives and stuff. Now you hear, oh, I did this app and I made two cents on this and two cents on that. So it's a lack. It's a lack. We work on and it moves them. And the financial principle problem is it moves that to uh, to one side. The more money you have, the more money you will attract. The less money you have, the less money. There's, I mean, 40 percent of humans work uh, working women, uh, humans work work for five dollars fifty a day to live for five dollars fifty a day. So why is that okay? Why is that okay? Why are three hundred fifty million people dying in in the war? That is not a tool. That's not a tool. That is a submitting to a, a a puppet we created. You know how often do you get into your stress? You know with with all this stuff. You know. There's a day I don't want to wake up and 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 do certain things, but the next night I'm, I'm working through the night. That's more natural than you know being just disciplined. I, I'm very disciplined because I'm if I'm not disciplined, it's over. I'm neurodiverse. I'm all over, so I have to be disciplined. But there is days where I feel not today, or I'm gonna go for a walk, or I go for a swim, or something it's just even though i know because you never have enough since the system works on a lot like if i say to gary gary okay all your thing with your daughter and everybody just cut you off and say they're they are busy today don't you have enough work to do for your system <laughs> it will ever you will never have enough work to do in a system you 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 can always do it for me i just find that coming out of for me work is just not a work necessarily if it's purpose driven right so i made a lot of money when i was not jeff Bezos or elon musk like you refer to that way but i'm i was a millionaire by i was 23 years old because of a company i started back in denmark and uh, i learned the hard way that that's not fulfillment in you know by any means and i made a lot of money in my last agency we catered to all industries and the biggest vertical was personal injury lawyers. And I was like, what the heck am I doing here? Helping this, these, right? Uh, so uh, so I, I learned that's not, you know, getting all the, the nominations and, and making the money. That That's not fulfillment. I was burned out, depressed almost, borderline. And like, what, especially you start thinking, what what's the next step, right? And I was fortunate enough to sell, sell my shares in the company and cash out and didn't really have to figure out what, what I wanted to do next. So I also found out that living at the beach, not doing anything is not a fulfillment either, right? That, that, that dream that, so I spent a whole year, um, where I traveled <laughs> right amid, uh, right with COVID going on, like to Peru and spent two months in the jungle doing ayahuasca and a spiritual journey. I went to Africa, did a boga and Jamaica doing psilocybin. I just try to expand my consciousness and figure out like, all these questions, like, what the hell am I here for? What am I supposed to do? Uh, because I'm not happy hustling, just trying to make money. I'm not ha happy just sitting on the beach. But I was like, okay, uh, again, going back to those six 
drivers, emotional drivers in terms of growing and giving. That's what juices me up. So I think it's an individual thing. Like what work is not necessarily something negative. It's more about like if it's not, if it's a project, which for me is more like projects and achievement is more related to like, okay, the next steps on the impact. Yes, that juices me. There's always, there's always a finish line keeps moving and you could always improve and so forth. But that just jacks me up. It's not because I'm living out of lack. It's just because I feel like, hey, I'm living off these small little rewards, these small little celebrations, these small little uh, feedback loops in terms of how we help. So my current agency, for instance, we work with the addiction treatment center industry and mental health care because that's very dear to me. And I, I know the statistics, right? I mean, 20 million plus uh, addicts in U.S. alone, one out of three Americans has experienced mental health issues because of everything you're referring to, right? Because of the social media driven and notification constant occurring, because of all of that, because of living out of lack. Uh, so for me, my purpose is how, how can I help a lot of these people out of suffering? So it's not work necessarily. It's not about just cashing in. I always say in any business I'm involved in, any investment I'm a part of, like I always say number one thing is profitability, is sustainability, because without that, we can't reinvest in growth. We can't make a large impact. We can't expand. So as long as it's used in a good way, I think it's positive. I'm not saying capitalism and Wall Street and all that is good. By no means, that whole system is, let's not get into that. But my, my point is just about the work and systems. And if it's with the right intention, then it can be very good. Let's put together one or two quick lessons learned. If you, each of you could share something that you have learned or that you would like to share with the listeners in terms of human centricity or customer centricity and how they could apply that to their lives or business. Michael, let's start with you. Systems are good. I'm not against system at all. I just think we need to update the systems to make, make them human centric, not system centric. Yeah. I think also the consciousness is coming through and I see us as 8 billion valves, valves where the consciousness comes in like air. It just came and it, and it manifests with Chris helping people and make it customer centric, you know, which is human customer centric is human centric in systems, right? We want to serve because, because system can also be profit centric. So you are human centric in systems, which is, so this is where the consciousness comes through you. And then it comes through me being on the other side, opposite side. Yeah. But the common denominator is humanity. So I think we are 8 billion valves that, that blow in this air of consciousness in our reality. And then we see the feedback and, and see what's happening. And while there is war, there's still that energy that needs to be dispersed. While there is famine and all this other stuff mm -hmm. that needs to be fed, yes. but still we need to be well, my My two cents on that or, or key takeaway would be whether it's an organization, whether whether you're an employer and you're trying to engage your team or whether it's at an individual level, I think you know it has to be both customer-centric and, and, and human-centric. Um, that's where the true success... I, I, I obviously work a lot with companies and implement systems and, and teach them how to scale things, etc. But there's always a human element to it because without that in the equation... Uh, you will fail. You will fail, uh, undoubtedly. So I, I would even say that's almost my specialization because when I work with a lot of companies, it becomes mechanical. It becomes almost inhuman. It's like they are horrible at just 
relating to the customer, building report or or just understanding what's really important. It's just it's just they're just a number, they're just a KPI. And you know, I'm saying first and foremost, we gotta either scratch your commission system so they're not just focusing on am I closing this deal or not? Or we gotta redesign it or we gotta retrain them. Something has to be done because the system, no system in the world can fix that. So I agree. But I think it's about putting those two things together. And uh, in every single part, in every single, so that's where true success comes. Well, thank you both. I appreciate your time. It has been a fabulous and most interesting conversation. And I appreciate both of your perspectives. Likewise, gentlemen. It was a true pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, guys. And of course, thanks to all of you who are listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review. Your feedback helps us improve and grow. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, you can connect with us throughout social media and online at Chris Hood Show. And please share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, or anyone else looking to grow their business and start their own digital evolution. Until next week, take care and stay connected.